JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He writes for The Athletic. He's got a great feature article up with his latest and can also talk about this win in your end scenario for the Colts and the Texans on Saturday night. Zach Kiefer joins us right now. Former colleague of yours, Bob Kravitz, by the way, Zach, is in the house here at Crafters today. What's up, guys? What an intro there. STDs on the face? I mean, this is why I love your show. I never oh, know where yeah. we're going to start. Yeah, yeah, that's what – and sometimes that's to the detriment. Sometimes guests go, eh, you know, I don't know about your STD start with me right here. But uh, no, with I'm somebody like you – like, I can't not, I can't not listen <laughs> now, now that we got going. That we know that that works. Hey, I saw you in the press box last week, and that went over the Raiders – um, this has been an up-and-down season. It's been a roller coaster, and there's no doubt they've taken full advantage of the schedule that, that they have and had played through to this point. Um, I mentioned this. I said to cast this in on Saturday night, you have to control what you can control. And I think there's not a lot they can, but I think they should be able to value the play of this offensive line and the all-line respond I think that's something that they can control. I think Jonathan Taylor, the reason why you believe in him to extend him in the fashion in which you did would be for situations like this on Saturday night. And I would also suggest defensively you can do the same thing up front. Those are the controllables I believe in the Colts on Saturday night. What say you? Yeah, I think you're dead on. Like, I'm not going to knock this team because of what they've done this year. Like, they have really made the most of what they've had, right? Easy schedule if you want to argue, but they have really upticked their performance in, in, in just situational football. Like, that's the biggest difference. Like, I scoured the locker room Sunday after the game, and I had not been in there for a year. So it was fun to catch up with some guys. And Moali Cox was like, man, a year ago, like, we were always terrible in those situations. So – Come Saturday night, that's going to be a huge advantage, I think, for the Colts. Now, the Texans are well-coached, too, but Steichen really shines in those moments for me. And you just nailed it, man. Like, I asked EJ Speed, like, when did you know this season wasn't going to just be, like, this rebuild, crapola 4-12 year, 4-13, and whatever? And he's like, if I'm being honest, man, it was when we re-signed JT. So that was week four when they realized Richardson was the real deal and Steichen was the real deal. This is why you pay him. I don't think he's ever lost to the Texans. Now, there was a tie last year. We don't need to get into that. But, like, this is, this is the dude. And now they have an advantage at quarterback, obviously, with C.J. Stroud over Minshew. You have a huge advantage with Taylor. He needs to go off. He's done this before in primetime games in Indianapolis, at home. The Patriots game a couple years ago comes to mind. But this is when he's got to shine. This is when your A-plus players have to shine. And I think it's going to be fun to see what Steichen does to try to get 28 rolling. Yeah, me too. He's I mentioned this number. He's 5 and 0 in the past against the Texans. However, he didn't play in that first meeting and that win by the Colts. And what's funny about that Zach is there's not a, a lot that you can really transfer from that first meeting in terms of the Colts winning and put it to good use conversationally with you and I going into this Saturday night win in your affair. Yeah, I don't think the Texans are that team anymore. Like, I think they've gotten so much better. Remember, they were 0-2, and they were bad. And then they go to Jacksonville the next week and route the Jaguars. And really, they have gotten better a lot since. And so I've, I've been around the Texans a little bit this year. I went down and did a big C.J. Stroud profile, and I covered their game against the Bengals in mid-November. And that dude just, like, outplayed Joe Burrow on Joe Burrow's home field when Burrow was healthy. 
So he's got top-end talent. I mean, there's a reason he was like an outside MVP candidate until he got hurt. He's really, really good, and he's going to test this young secondary. But like you saw Sunday against the Raiders, like, you know, Brent's, and those young guys have gotten better. They, they can make some plays. They had the toughest cover in the league maybe in, De- in Devontae Adams last week. Did pretty good against him. That's going to be huge. That's going to be huge. And I don't know. I, I, how confident are you guys in the defense come Sunday? Because I think – or Saturday. That's the biggest concern for me because I just don't know yeah. if I can trust the Colts defense. Well, and, and if, if they don't show up front – if, if they don't put people we, we've talked about Gus Bradley and where we are with the Colts defensive coordinator Zach right now. And most people say, you know what? He does the same thing. He doesn't bring pressure. And I can understand at times why he doesn't because of what you have on the back end. But I think you have to rely, rely upon how much stock you have put in to the front of this defense. And it's much like the offensive line to me, Zach. The offensive line is a must perform. This defensive line is a must-perform. If either does not, likely the Colts lose. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not sexy to talk about, but you're right. That's, that's where the game is won. It's going to be up front, D-line, O-line. And I had an interesting conversation with Ryan Kelly on Sunday, and I'm just like, man, like this unit was terrible a year ago. Like It's not great right now. They're not like world beaters like they were in 2018 and 2019. But I think they're a little bit better. Um, and he said, look, man, when, when Tony got here, Tony Sperano Jr., the new O-line coach, he said, we were broken as a unit. And we wanted to reclaim our names. Like, that's pretty telling that a, that a Pro Bowl-type player like Ryan Kelly came off that season and said, we were broken. Because they were. Like, they nearly got Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles and Matt Ryan killed last year, among other issues this team had. So, I think you're right. That's where it starts. And Ryan Kelly said that's where you win games. And when you have a backup quarterback in Minshew who's not super mobile, like you're going to have to protect. They're going to have to win up front. That's going to open things up for the play-action game where Steichen's really good. And then obviously 28 as well. So you're right. And then on the other end, you know, this team is what? Have they set the record for sacks in Indianapolis? If they haven't, they're really close. That's a Mike Chappell stat. But, like, they need to win without blitzing. Like those guys need to win one-on-ones. They need to win without bringing the pressure like you said, because the coverage in the back end is, is just not going to be able to hold up for five or six seconds. You think that has that been more of the issue? Because, again, I brought up the whole Gus Bradley conversation that has been ongoing for the past month and a half. Has that, that been more of the issue, what he's had to work with over how he calls a game defensively for you, or is, is it opposite? I think it's messy, and, and you got to go back to, like, July and August. Like, Isaiah Rogers gets popped for betting on his own team, and he's their top returning outside corner. So they got Kenny Moore and a bunch of kids. They've got the 27th highest-paid secondary in the league. A bunch of rookies and, and like, second-year players, right? I mean, like, I don't cover the team every day anymore. I couldn't tell you their depth chart at secondary. Like, I don't think a lot of fans could. They've had some good moments, and they've had some rough ones. And then Tony Brown gets, you know, he gets suspended – and so they're, they're leaking in that back end. And so that's going to be a reality. Like, whoever's calling the defense, that's going to be really tough. The nice thing is they have not seen a lot of elite quarterbacks. A lot of elite quarterbacks are hurt across the league. Um, you've gotten what you paid for, right? You've gotten what you drafted, and you've gotten what you get when you go into the season with a bunch of first- and second-year guys. And I think the payoff could come down the line. We've seen spots where these guys have been really good. But it's going to make you queasy going into every game. Luckily, they've been able to put a lot of pressure up front. But it's just, it's just how – I mean, you, you just – you can't live well defensively if you don't have elite corners in the back end. Those guys are really hard to find. They're really hard to keep healthy. And they're really hard to keep on the roster because they demand a lot of money. Because what they do is I think it's like among the most hardest – among the most difficult jobs in football besides quarterback is to just cover – on an island like what Stefan Gilmore has done for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I'm kind of caught in the middle, though, Zach. I kind of wonder how this is going to go for Gus. And I know there's a history there with, with he and, and Shane Steichen, too, a bit of one. But I kind of wonder how this is going to end up going because there are a lot of people. And, and I, I have been critical. I was critical in the Rams game. I was critical in the Browns game where I thought maybe with, with added pressure, you know, a different form, a different way that you coach them up, you know, maybe you could have won both of those games. And put pressure on quarterbacks, you know, Stafford being hobbled and, and Walker just being out there in general, and that could have been a difference in a game between a win 
and a loss as it stands. But you know, for the most part, you do kind of look at this team, and it seems like it is just more what you have to deal with, especially on the backside of this, than it is anything else for Gus. But is is this game, you think, coming up Saturday night, is this dependent if if they lose? Is Gus Bradley next season – is that in jeopardy of him coming back as the defensive coordinator, in your opinion? I think that'll be a fascinating conversation. A little bit of background on this. You know, when they were going through their 35-day coaching search last year, which literally took years off my life, they interviewed 12 candidates. They tried to interview 13. The consensus from a couple of those candidates was the Colts made it clear they wanted to keep Gus Bradley. So the interesting thing is they interviewed a couple of defensive guys, right? So if you're bringing in a defensive head coach, you, don't you let him pick his own D.C.? Like, don't you let him pick a D.C. that's very much aligned with his style and scheme? And, and obviously, Steichen was a great pick so far. Everything tells us that. Um, they have a history from San Diego, L.A., Chargers. I get that. And that matters. And, yeah, I mean, they're thin in the back end, and, you know, Shaq Leonard came back and wasn't the same player, and there's, there's context to this. Grover was popped for PEDs in the six games. Like, that matters. Um, but I think it's a conversation that, that's going to be had, and especially if, if C.J. Stroud carves them up. Like, Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard need to sit down and have that conversation um, with all the context. With the, you know, these are the players Chris Ballard put on the roster. Any D.C. was going to have to use them. Um, and figure out, like, is this the best guy to run this defense moving forward? I think you stick with a 4-3 because of the personnel um, and just the way the league is going. But I think it's absolutely a question you ask after the season if this doesn't go well because they have cost them in so many spots this season. Zach Kiefer, the Athletics, with us on the Eddie Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. We are at Crafters on 146th Street in Carmel today. Your latest feature in the Athletic has kind of a combination here for those that love the Colts and have interest in the Colts and those that loved, you know, among the, the great shows all time created by HBO. We know that of the Sopranos. I loved Entourage. I loved Eastbound and Down. Um, I even like Hung, and not a lot of people did. But The Wire is always at the top of the list. And you have a bit of a combination in your latest feature regarding both, don't you? Yeah, pretty amazing day Sunday. Um, I spent it with Antonio Barnes. Now, this guy grew up in Baltimore rooting for the Colts when they were there. And they were his favorite team. And even after they moved to Indy, he stayed loyal but his story is wild. He grew up on the streets of Baltimore in a gang, and he went to prison, and he was sentenced. Uh, it was a life sentence in 1987. And so he started to reach out to me in, like, 2017, 2018 with emails wanting news on the Colts. And it took me a little while to figure out where these emails were coming from. He was in prison, um, and he was paroled a year ago, and he made it his mission to get to Indianapolis for a game. And that happened on Sunday and it, it just made his life. I mean, he was just, he was just over the moon. They, they got a win for him. He wants to come back next year. So it's, it's just a surreal story for him. And, you know, we, we get to go to games all the time, right? We kind of lose that, that charm and that, um, that kid feeling you get when you walk into a stadium. I walked into him, I walked into the stadium on Lucas Oil on, on Sunday morning with him. And uh, it was the first time he'd been to a game in 40 years. And it just all came back to him. And he couldn't believe how much was different. Very, very cool to see him experience that. I know, you know, I think Ursay read the story, and I know Chris Ballard reached out to him just to say, like, this was so cool. So cool for him to have that experience, and, and they got a three-point win for him as well. He may be the only person that uh, is originally from Baltimore that kind of held true and strong and stayed with the Colts going back to that 84 move. I'm telling you, man, like, I asked him 15 times, like, are you sure? And – his entire family, like, they hate the Colts. They're all about the Ravens. And, he, and I asked him, and he said, look, man, the Colts are all I know. Like, they, he just – he would name – he would just name players that I'd never heard of. So, um, he goes back a ways, and his allegiance just didn't waver. No, that's awesome. That is great. Now, were you a uh, fan of the Wire? Yes, huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this is probably – you probably enjoyed this about as much as any story you've written in a while, I would assume. I'll say this, having, having to rewatch some of the episodes where, where Antonio, you know, he says, this was like something I experienced in my life, and this was the, the, the detective I knew. Having to rewatch those episodes for me, that was not a hard part of the assignment. Like, that was not, uh, 
that was not difficult. I had plenty of enjoyment doing that. That's awesome. That's his latest. Zach Key for the Athletic regarding that combination of the uh, the Wire and the Colts that certainly, if you're a fan of the Wire or the Colts, you'll absolutely want to read. Again, from the Athletic, Zach Kiefer is with us. You in the press box on Saturday night? I will not be there. I'll be watching from my couch. You guys enjoy it. You got it, buddy. I appreciate that very much. There'll be a great read, I'm sure, and uh, we'll send everybody to that. And enjoy the weekend, and we'll do it again soon, Zach. Thank you. Thanks, John. Zach Kiefer of The Athletic with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, he does join us. Um, the way that you look at the injury report I guess you can look at it this way in terms of the game, Mike, on Saturday night. The Colts, it does look a lot better, although it, it still, I guess, stands to question whether or not Ryan Kelly is going to be able to participate. Your thoughts on that and then what the Texans are going through with their injury situation certainly seems to be a little bit more severe. Yeah, it, it, it's sometimes it's hard to, to – no, sometimes, all the time, it's hard to kind of read injury report. I think Kelly plays. Uh, Quentin Nelson's limited. I, th- I mean, these guys would need to have bones sticking out of their legs to not play. Uh, with Houston losing, you know, Grenard's. It's you know, he, he's he's there. He and Will Anderson are their are their, you know, their outside studs. So losing twelve and a half sacks and gosh, fifteen tackles for loss and twenty some quarterback hits. That's a big deal. Uh, but Will Anderson is still. You know he, he's 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 not Miles Garrett or Trey Hendrickson or or, or Max Crosby. He's, he's pretty good, but yeah, it, it's really hard. And, and they've got a lot of guys listed questionable on there. And I noticed was who was a was was a uh, one of the receivers hasn't practiced all week and is listed questionable. Uh, that's ne- it's never a good thing when you don't practice at all. That's why it was important for Ryan Kelly to get out there today and go through practice. And I, I, again, I, I, this is as, this is as healthy of an injury report participation report as a team could, could really have this late in the season for the Colts. It really is. Uh, Houston, I will see uh, again, a lot of questionables with, with some pretty important people, but the fact that they've already ruled out their, their, their top pass rusher, that, that, that that's a big deal. Well, it really is, too. I mentioned this. Um, I know a lot of people say, hey, it's been a season that you didn't think was going to happen. And win or lose, you know, it is going to be one of those seasons where you look back and look back on it fondly. I completely disagree. This, to me, is a situation that you take advantage of because it's right there for you. And we have seen them fall flat on their face recently and trying to take advantage of these situations. I'm not worried about the future. I'm not looking at this as house money. I'm looking at this as having a team in your house where you can close out, go to the postseason, wait on Sunday, find out what Jacksonville does, maybe even make greater strides. I don't look at this as house money. I look at this as an absolute. How about you? Yeah, no, this, the thing is, say they lose. This, this is If they lose, then in two weeks, in three weeks, you sit back and say, you know, 9-8 was pretty good with all the garbage they had to deal with, with injuries and suspensions. That That's when, at some point, you will come to that the realization that this was pretty good, nine wins and all this. But, no, you're right. This is, you know, we were talking to Michael Piven today, and he said this before. He said, you know, as a rookie, he comes in here with Uncle Phil, and they make the playoffs, and he thinks, hey, this is pretty good. We're going to do this every year. Well, then you find out, no, you don't know. You know, the future's not promised to you. And while you think this, they've got a lot of really, really good pieces in place, you're going to get the quarterback back, the rookie, him back next year and, and all this. And, boy, we should be a lot better. You don't know. 
you just don't you, you, they can play balls out next year with a really strong roster and the ball bounces wrong and the kick goes off the uprights or whatever. So no, no, when you're in this situation, you, 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 no one's expected to be here. Of course, you know, Vegas had both of these teams at six and a half over under. And I must admit that I took the under, so I'm out 25 bucks, but no, when you get in this situation, you, you maximize it because you just don't know. I tell you, some of these players won't be here next year. That's just a fact of life. So, when you get in here, and it's it's at home, it's prime time, and if they come out flat, like they've done maybe once or twice this year, since he was a bad experience, but 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 it was you know not here. If they come out flat, then shame on them. I think they come out and you know, you know, go balls out, and if you get beat, you get beat, but don't don't go meekly like they did in Jacksonville and even the, the prior week against the Raiders. So I think they come out and play well. And hopefully this secondary, which scares the bejesus out of me, holds up against uh, C.J. Stroud because he, he's the real deal. I realize he's a rookie, but uh, they, they, they can light you up if you're not careful. But that, that's what, you know, bring the pass rush, get him off his spot, and make him do things and then just play the way you've played in good games this year and see what happens at the end of the night. He's Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Crafters in Carmel on a Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots Thursday. 146, we'd love to see you here. Good to see you, Sarah and Roma. You guys take it easy. Talk to you guys tomorrow night on the JMV Takeover. Mike, I was thinking about it in terms of this. Um, if there are close to absolutes, and they're, they're not absolutes, but something that I, I think that the Colts can lean on and do right to get them a win on Saturday night, it's up front. It's the offensive line with Jonathan Taylor. It's the defensive line that can create a little bit of havoc against C.J. Stroud, whereas we know where Gus Bradley's going to stand as far as presenting pressure or blitzing is concerned. I, I do think that that is as close to absolutes as this team is going to have. So I guess I mean this, if, if those things either side don't go right on Saturday, the Colts are going to be in real trouble. Yeah, I would rather, I mean, this will come down to Minshew making those plays we talk about, the four or five or six plays that a quarterback has to make. But I would, I, I would, I will be more encouraged if, if Jonathan Taylor rushes for 95 yards, he finally gets his first 100-yard game, since last year, and Zach Moss, I, mean, I think he Zach Moss plays, and I think he brings a different thing to him in the run game. But when they've been really good, it, it's it's not Minshew throwing for 300 yards necessarily. It's it's the offensive line kind of wearing down and taking the heart out of the Steelers, and the defensive line getting after the quarterback. Where they get Stroud was it six sacks in, in the first game, which is yeah. you know seems like a year ago. But no, I agree. That, that's that's the strength. That's the strength of the team: offensive line, defensive line, and the offensive line. Again, I, I think Kelly will play, and and I'd forgotten, but he missed the second half of that game in week two with yeah. a concussion. So, yep. and you've got Braden Smith back, and he's been through a lot. I, it's you know, it's funny. I, I, social media is is it's informative, and and sometimes it's entertaining because. People were saying when, when he was out there, well, you know, this Blake Freeland guy's playing pretty well. Let's, let's just get rid of Braden Smith because it's contact next year. And he wanted to say, you people are idiots. What are you talking about? Braden Smith is a quality right tackle. And, yes, he's expensive because that's what it costs to get you a quality right tackle. So getting him back m- makes a world of difference. And that's not to sh- throw shade on Freeland because they threw him out there and, and sort of said, you know, swim. I think he's got a great future here as a as a swing backup tackle, but yeah, it, this is going to be up front, and that that's what you know Chris Ballard has always always preached, which some kind sometimes rubs us the wrong way because yeah, you could also bring in a receiver for crying out loud, but having an offensive line that can give Taylor and Moss some time, and if they get some room, these guys are still quality backs, and and Houston's got a pretty good run defense. Uh, and, and the defense has got to get after Stroud, it just because he's he's just too good. 
if you leave him back there and he'll play seven on you know seven on seven in practice type stuff with you, and you can't do that. So I, I think you're right. Uh, again, I, I, Minshew scares me. He does. I, I and that's just me. I, I uh, but also the secondary is, gives me pause because they they've made it clear that they, by what they've done and how they've handled it that they're sort of trying to find things. And when you're when when you're still trying to find combinations this late in the season, it's either because of injury or performance. Uh, but but again, it's there for them. And and this is this is the game where this is how we build the roster. This is how we win. It's not throwing the ball 45 times necessarily. It, it's really trying to get the run game going as much as you can. And and riding that, and then and then make make the Texans play catch up. Remember, it was, it was thirty-one to ten in that game early in the season. So the, th- things really w- went well. People forget that <laughs> Anthony Richardson started that game. You know, it was so long ago. But uh, I, I, I it, th- this is again this this is where if you're sitting there in, in July and August and you tell Shane Sykin, hey, how about that last game of the season? We'll guarantee you it's winner in. Did you say, of course, of course, forget that six and a half over under and all that stuff. This is where you want to be. It's at home. I agree with you. Seize the moment. Now, if they lose, it's not, it's not a, a, a trice season like it's been in, in recently, but th- th- this is, this is, Hey, you're in position, take care of it. And then again, like you say, you win. And then who knows Sunday afternoon at four o'clock, maybe you're hosting a first round game. <laughs> Which would be hilarious. Like, the trash season notwithstanding, if they lose, that will be so much like some of these seasons that wasn't a circus a year ago, but some of these seasons we've seen them go out, and especially the year before last. I, I I just think, to me... It would be like the same old, same old if they lost. And and yeah, but, but, I know but, this. But, I, 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 and I get I what you're saying about this, but, I mean, you're in the best position possible where you are right now. I agree. Just don't be the team that we have seen recently and blow it. All right? Flip the script on that. And that's my right. expectation. You know, backup quarterback, faulty secondary, all that crap or not, that's my expectation. Well, and you're right, and you're exactly right. All I'm saying is that you're obviously a guy who's going to need more than two or three weeks of down of decompression to appreciate what these guys have done, and I understand that. Uh, but, but again, very few people thought they would be anywhere near this position. But now that you are, now that you know, never mind that you should have beaten Cleveland, you should have beaten. The Saints, but you beat Baltimore, which still is as crazy as can be. But no, here you here you are. Uh, every season you beat somebody. You shouldn't. They beat Kate. They beat Kansas City two years ago or last year for crying out loud. But yeah, it's it's you're here. You're the, that, and that's why it's you know Shane Steichen sort of said you know he 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 he's like Frank Reich with the details and preparation, and, and I understand that, but. What he says is, you know, we talked to Kenny Moore today. He said, we don't need superheroes. We just need guys to do their jobs. We don't need to see two DBs pointing at each other with, you know, Puka Nakua running in there in overtime with a a winning touchdown. We've seen three or four of those plays this year. Go out there and play your game and and make the uh, the Texans make plays to beat you. Don't just have – or you're pointing at each other. Well, I thought you had the guy. No, I thought you had it. No, go out there and play well. If they play well, and and then I'll take whatever they get. Just don't lay an egg, because it would leave initially a bad taste. But then I promise you, in maybe you're, maybe you're March. I don't know, or April. But you you will appreciate what they did. But a hundred percent, here you are, one game. I don't care if they can make a deep run in the playoffs. I do not care. Just getting there would be a tremendous achievement. Yeah, and, and to me, there's a huge there's a huge gap between the way that you feel if if you lose about the season as a whole, and the way that you're going to feel if you make the postseason. And, and again, that is for me. And here's the other thing: 
I've seen the stat, 5-0. and I think John McClain had this, uh, the great guy, the former writer, still yeah. writing, but former Houston Chronicle writer down in Houston. 5-0, and Jonathan Taylor, in games played against the Texans. Now, he did not play, obviously, in that th- Week 3 matchup that they won down in Houston. But these are the types of games as to the reason why you extend and you pay Jonathan Taylor, the reason why you pay the most for your place kicker. These type right. of situations with a team like this, this is built for this situation to me. And those two guys are at the top of the list of you got to bring it and you got to bring it hard on Saturday night for this team to get away. Right. And that's why you're going to, you're going to extend or franchise uh, Michael Pittman. We saw what yeah. we saw exactly. what Correct. without him. Yeah. I mean, I, I always thought that the left tackle was, was the guy, if he's not out there, you got a bad left tackle that the offense seizes up this year. Michael Pittman is that guy. It was it was truly amazing the game he missed, how bad they were. They could they couldn't operate, and to see him have the season he has. But you're right. This is you're right. This is we've we've yet to really see Jonathan Taylor give not the effort at all, not at all, but the but the performance that comes with a, a, an extension. It, it, we just have we've, we've seen good games, we've seen you know little bursts here and there. This is a game where he and Zach Moss really need to sort of just kind of lay the wood uh, to Houston's defense. If nothing else, if you can run the ball, I don't know, 25, 30 times effectively, it does shorten the game. It does, it does take away maybe one or two possessions from C.J. Stroud. You know, I remember one of the great defenses against Peyton Manning was ball control. Instead of giving him 12 possessions, you gave him eight. Now, he still carved people up with eight possessions. But, yeah, everything you say is true with Jonathan Taylor and the lines and all that, and I I couldn't agree more with you. I'm still waiting for that that signature Jonathan Taylor game, you know, where I was 24 for, ah, gosh, 140. I'm not expecting that because I think they're going to mix in Zach Moss a lot, and we forget how good he was early in the season. Uh, so th- 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 you're he right. had 88 that, yards, I think, on the ground in that win in Houston in Week Three, didn't he? That was just first game. Remember, he he didn't play the opener, yeah. and we had Deion Jackson. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's but but everything you say is right. It's it's there. It's it's with all the stuff that that they've gone through again, injuries and suspensions and the Drew Ogletree thing and all that, and so much outside their control has fallen in their favor. I'm not talking about the officials being awful in those two games, but backup quarterbacks. And we were talking in the media room and we were trying to think this will be the best quarterback they face since who? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, people say Mayfield, but I'd say, I'd say Lawrence are going all the way back to, uh, to, uh, Stafford, yeah, and, and I mean Stafford was hobbling around. That's that's one of those games that I, that's one of those games at the end. I kind of blame, and I, I know that there was a busted coverage and such, but you know prior to that, I kind of put on on Gus Bradley because yeah. I mean he, he was a guy that couldn't even move, and you couldn't put any pressure on him. So yeah, but you're yeah. right. That's probably the two guys that would pop into my mind too. So, but you know, all that's fallen in place for him, and they've taken advantage of it. And yeah, they've played poorly in some games. Everybody does. Maybe I remember that Denver gave up seventy. I mean, everybody plays poorly at some point, but but here's where you are. This is when, you know, I was looking back at some of these. This is, I think, like the fifth time they've gone into the last game of the season, and it's win and end. And they they had won a Payton's last year in 2010. They had to win uh, to assure getting in. So uh, th- th- this is this is what you sign up for. This is what all these guys say. You know, it's it's, it's in their control and. It, it would be a bad look to, to have a team that's, in, that's pretty much like who you are. You're in rebuild, and, and you, you've exceeded expectations, and they come into your building and, you know, steal your dinner. You don't want to see that. So just finish it, and then whatever happens in the playoffs, the, the, the hey, this is money. Yeah. It's uh, Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with us. Texans, Colts again, 430. Ride to kickoff begins with me at the Bullseye Event Center with bullseyeeventgroup.com. We've got some passes coming up for you in just a bit. Meantime, this is probably better question-wise for after the season, but you brought up Michael Pittman Jr. 
And you brought up, oh, what's going to happen? Is he going to get that extension? Is he going to get a franchise tag? He seems like a guy, and that's just been how he is, has been to this point. A guy that if you do franchise tag him, right, where most, yep. especially wide receivers, would be very diva-like, diva-esque in, in how they respond and sitting out of this and sitting out of that. He seems to me, at least right now, like a guy that would not behave that way. Would you agree, or is it all still kind of a fluid situation until we're there? I would disagree. (laughs) And it's all speculation, but from talking to him, as we have, if they franchise him, we need to have a pool on what late day in August we will (laughs) see Michael Pittman. (laughs) I think it – I just think – he won't react nicely to it. Uh, I don't think he'll come out and just, I'll never play for this team. I don't, that's not the case. It's going to be, I, 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 uh, I want a long-term contract and this is how you do it. So I'll see you when I see you. I, I don't know that he'll sit out games. I don't think he would do that, but I don't think he would react nicely to being franchised. Although the franchise tag is, I don't know, rules. Over the cap has it like twenty three point nine million, which is pretty good money. I mean, really. Yeah. But no, he he. I don't think he reacts nicely at all to it. Uh, See, I, then, I haven't heard you know, anything where he has he has said he kind of just says, "Hey, whatever happens, happens." So that's well, either he also, you know he he, he does it said, or or the fact that he believes he's going to get the extension. But he also said Jonathan Taylor put down a pretty good blueprint of how to handle that situation, which meant withholding with, – screw that ankle. I mean, that, th- th- this was so much more about the contract than it was the ankle. I, I'll, I'll go to my grave. No, there's that. no doubt. Yeah. yeah. So so he just said, you know, that, that, that was sort of – he showed guys how to do things, and he got his money. I, maybe, he'll, maybe he'll shock me, and if anyone thinks he's going to give these guys a hometown discount, they're delusional. He's not. He he, he understands business. Uh, he's getting to be one of my favorite players because he, he he really he just understands things. So I I will they give him four years, a hundred million? I don't know. I Chris Ballard and these guys have to have a grunt level. I don't know. And I don't know what it is. But that's that's going to you know twenty three nine if that's the franchise number. That's his starting asking price. It just is. So that's going to be really, really interesting. We've seen again. We've talked. He, he, you want something more than what he's given you. I mean, as far as a total receiver. But how much of that? What we haven't seen the deep threat routinely. How much of that is a function of the you know the the dozen quarterbacks he's played with or whatever you know six or seven quarterbacks he's played with and. But, we, again, all he has to do is flip in the the Atlanta game and say, my value, here you go. You guys couldn't even, you know, you couldn't even put one foot in front of the other. It's going to be very interesting. I don't think uh, – you and I differ. I don't think he reacts well to yeah. the franchise tag. Well, here's the other thing, too. I, 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 do you believe this? I think Chris views him differently than yes. your average needs an extension type of guy here, including Jonathan Taylor. I think Chris Ballard considers Michael Pittman like he does Quentin Nelson and some of these guys, Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly. Every time he talks about Pitt, he says, I love Pitt. I, and he, he, he loves the way he plays, the durability, the toughness. Uh, and the problem is then you got to pay him. You got to, you know, you got to pay Quentin Nelson. Uh, so, but th- th- we were talking again in the press room. Pitt is 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 the ideal. Forget positions. He's the ideal player type player that Ballard and these guys loves. Really, really committed and tough and durable and all that stuff. And so, and, and but again, then like with Quentin, it comes at a a really high price. I think I think maybe they they just do give him the the, the extension, which will be enormous. Because as we always come back to say, then the other option is the franchise in which it's not going to be – I don't think it's going to be nasty, but, again, he's going to be absent. Or you try to go to plan B on the free agent market and you're going to pay that much 
to bring in a guy that you know very little about. So uh, the, the, it's not my money, but the most sensible thing is to extend him if you can stomach the enormous number and the and the and the guaranteed money. But we we again we've seen the value of Michael Pittman and, and Rick Venturi and I. We argue about this all the time, and Rick wants more, and I understand it. So so do I. But this guy's pretty good. So Mike Chappell is with us. All right, quickly before I let you go, what's your call on Saturday night? Well, this is a must-win. At least we can all agree yeah. on that. Finally, with me. Yeah, your your must-win really comes up right now. Uh, <laughs> this is one that, and I try not to do it too often, but this is one I make with my heart instead of my head because uh, I want to see these guys finish this. I really do. I, I in, in our podcast and, and on CBS for my story, it'll be Colts twenty-seven twenty-four. But I ain't putting my money on it. I just, I just, I. Again, this is more with the heart than it is the head, but I just want to see these guys finish what's really been a pretty impressive season. I said 27-24 as well. So, that's me too, yeah. Yeah, Colts. Colts. Oh, yeah. I I don't want to live in a world where I got to come on Monday and piss and moan about this team (laughs) losing this game. I don't want to live in the world. Mike, I've lived with it too much. I've lived with it too much and so much disappointment and so have these fans. So, I'm, I'm calling on. I'm calling on every Colt to to do something to curb that because I'm sick and tired of seeing it. And I don't care what we're talking about with this roster. I don't care if it's not the future and the future is bright. You have no idea what the future is going to be. Zero idea. Bill Brooks told me this two weeks ago. You got to take advantage of the moment when the moment occurs because you're not yep. promised anything. And that's how I view this on Saturday night. I t- I totally agree. And again, I just think it'll be a cool night in, 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 in downtown Indy. Uh, and again, this, is, this isn't like the Buffalo Bills. I, I don't want to downplay Houston. This isn't like the Buffalo Bills coming in here and you're going to oh my goodness, how are we going to... No, this, you guys yeah. are pretty, they're, they're pretty much on even, even footing. They really are. Uh, put your best foot out there and don't turn the ball over four times and see what you got. Well done. It's Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59. Awesome as always. We'll see you on Saturday night up there. I'll be there. Talk to you later. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. But on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, one of the reasons why this is his home base, sophomore guard for the Boilermakers, the former Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, Braden Smith joins us again on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hey, Braden, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Outstanding. All right. So I, I want to get a little background here because Brian, the owner of Crafters, uh, reached out to me and said, uh, get Braden Smith on with you. And I may have initially felt that he was talking about a different Braden Smith. But now that we know which Braden Smith we're talking about, give me a little background on your relationship with Brian and Crafters, knowing it as well as you do. Yeah, so like I said, um, just my dad was really good friends with them. Um, knew him for a pretty decent amount of time. So being around the area that Brian runs his restaurant, um, we went there to get a decent amount and just built a really good connection with him. So that's how we know him. Well, it's a great place. I've been here for Pacer games before and things like that, but uh, it's always a good time here, and we're doing our normal Thursday Pick'em show here this evening. And, and thank you for joining us. And I mentioned as I brought you on here, I thought that that you guys and your performance on Tuesday night in Maryland, I thought that was a professional type of win. It's not like everything went right. and You didn't blow the doors off, but you beat a team that's very tough to beat at home, you know, in in, in an atmosphere that you know, will be conducive where you had that number one target on your back. I just thought overall that was a, a professional type of win for you and your teammates. Feel that way to you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, going in there, they had like a 19-20 to 20 game win streak at home, which was the longest out of any team for a while. So going in there, we knew we had to kind of just go in there with the right mindset of trying to win that game in, in the best way possible because last year we we went in there and they beat us there. So having that mindset of just being able to try to 
overcome that and just try to figure out to leave there with the W. Yeah, and I mean, you look around and you look at this team, and I mentioned the target on your back. Um, that's something obviously you've soaked up as being a member of this team the past couple of years. How how is that to deal with night in and night out, and knowing you're going to get the team's best shot because of your status, being number one, being at the top of the Big Ten. What's your approach night in and night out? Yeah, I think it's just the same thing for us. I mean, we got to keep it consistent. Um, being the number one team for three consecutive years, I mean, like it's everybody knows who you are. You got you got that target on your back, like you said, and just kind of just going out there and just doing our thing. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's just a ranking, and it doesn't matter. It's really just how you guys play at the end of the day. So, I think we just focus more on that and just how we can get the the win and move on to the next game. He is the former Indiana Mister Basketball from Westfield High School. He is the point guard for the Boilermakers. Smith with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right, you're near number two, um, coming off an incredible high school career. And when I talk to Matt, Matt always speaks volumes of what you knew coming in. But I want to play off of what you have gathered, what you have learned and embraced moving forward. In the past, you know, over a year, year and a half, you've played college basketball at Purdue. What have you learned and what is essentially the biggest part of what you have learned to this point in your career there? I think just maturing and learning how how to be a better leader. Um, I think basketball comes and, I mean, obviously you're going to get better as, lo- as long as you put the work in. So I think just those other things that sometimes you may not have learned, like just been able to kind of be good at. Because, I mean, usually in high school it's just, you know, you're just trying to get better and try to get to that spot, that next level. So I think coming here I've had a lot of good role models and a lot of good people around me to – kind of ask questions, um, kind of learn from, and just try to figure out how to lead my teammates and just put them in the right positions. I know Brooks Barnheiser very well in Northwestern. I know you, you've played against him, too, when he was at Lafayette Jeff. And I'd ask him this question last year about when it slowed down for him, you know, when the game slows down. Because obviously when you get into high school, there's a point where, you know, you, you, you get used to things and the game slows down for you. When did that occur for you as a freshman? When did that game at the collegiate level slow down for you? Yeah, I think it was more just towards the middle of the year of my freshman year. Just once you kind of get a couple of those games under your belt, um, you kind of just realize, like, hey, like, the games all flow. Um, everything comes and goes. I mean, just taking it little by little. And I think learning that and kind of just seeing that and not focusing more on, like, time and all that stuff, but just realizing that, hey, it's going to come at a certain time. And once the game flows, I mean, you feel so much better. So. Job one is you as the team leader. Every night when you step on the floor, the thing you have to do above all else, expectation-wise, what is it? Um, for myself, I think is just to be the best leader I can be and put people in the right positions to be successful. I think that's my biggest thing. I mean, my coaches and I think parents and teammates would say to score first. Um, but in my opinion, as a point guard, th- those are my two things. You play better with a chip on your shoulder. I always said this. The motivational chip is a very important thing to many out there. How well do you utilize that night in and night out to get you where you are? That motivation of never being satisfied where you are, always thinking that maybe somebody may have an upper hand, so maybe somebody's working a little bit harder. How much of that motivational chip have you had to get you to where you are right now yeah i think i've had that my whole life just kind of being the smallest guy on the floor um you got to play that way so or else you won't make it very far right so yeah i'm a very competitive person in general um and just when people always like to compare say someone's better than i feel like i take that challenge um and kind of just prove people wrong i think that i've just done that my whole life and continuing to do it and i'm hoping that the work i put put in and what will show eventually yeah it's funny you mentioned that too it was a lot more difficult for example when, when i played in high school and stuff to, to find stuff about you that people were saying it's a lot easier for you to do that right now do you use reading stuff seeing stuff as motivational fuel about when, when people kind of downplay your game do you use that at all or do you stay away from it Oh, uh, yeah, I say it's a mixture of both. I, I mean, I see, obviously, what people say. Everybody does. 
um, nowadays just with social media and stuff. But, I mean, I, I just – I try to go out there and just prove myself wrong more than anything or prove myself right more than anything just because, I mean, I've worked my butt off to get here in the first place, so I know I deserve to be here. And along with everybody else on the team, I mean, it's just everybody deserves to be there because they've all worked their butt off to get there. And I think just seeing that and then using that on top of it is just like a little booster, I guess. It's uh, Braden Smith, uh, the sophomore of the Boilermakers. Purdue and Illinois coming up on Friday night. And again, we're here at Crafters here on this Thursday. And uh, family friends would be Brian and uh, Braden and his family right now. So we thought it appropriate to have Braden on here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What do you think about Illinois? Illinois absolutely blew the doors off of Northwestern on Tuesday night, a team that obviously beats you going back to December. What, what's your thought on the Illini and what you're going to see on Friday night? Yeah, they're definitely a really good team. Um, they play quick. They're super aggressive. They're a good re- offensive rebounding team. So we definitely got to be boxing out. And I mean, I just think if we play our game and do what we're supposed to and stick to our, our game plan, I think we'll be all right. But just being able to kind of stop them and get them kind of in a slower play style, I think that would, would benefit us most. Hey, Braden, what's it like playing with Zach Eady? Um, Unbelievable. Um, I mean, just the things that he does. I mean, he's not only a great basketball player, he's just a great person in general. So he's really fun to be around and obviously fun to be on the court with. Now, obviously, you had a great high school career that ended with the Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana at Westfield. How did that compare to this next step you've taken at Purdue? And obviously, the the leadership, the coaching, the guidance you had at Westfield with that of Matt Painter. I I have a great deal, Braden, of admiration for Matt. I I just think that he is, to me, like state-of-the-art as a coach to deal with all that is going on in collegiate basketball right now. The ever-changing world how is he to you as a coach as a sophomore yeah I mean I think he's the best coach in college basketball he's just super super smart um he's really good with his x's and o's um he understands the game of basketball he sees things that a point guard would see these things that I see and it just super, it's just super helpful to kind of have because he understands it and when you're talking to somebody that's so smart about something that you enjoy and that you're in um, it's kind of cool just seeing all the stuff that he can kind of find and figure out. Yeah, and he's going to figure it out for you right then and right there, I'd imagine, too. So, And, and sure. the, the other thing, it, it seems to me like he treats everybody – exactly the same no matter what your status is with the team Uh, i mean you play hard and that's going to keep you on the floor if you don't that's going to get you pulled from the floor for sure i mean he i mean he keeps his word um i think that's the main reason why i committed here just that's what he said he said if if you work hard and you're good enough you'll play and i think just hearing that like knowing myself like i know i put a lot of work in so i'm like all right well i'll have a chance at least like and just hearing him from that and and it goes for everybody like everybody's working their butt off. I mean, TK made a huge jump from last year to this year. Now he's starting. So, I mean, it just shows that what he says and what he, like, says just really kind of just plays a part in all of us. It's uh, Braden Smith of the Boilermakers with us. How long did you allow yourself to go back and reflect on that loss in the NCAA tournament? And how long thereafter did you put that to bed? Yeah, I think it was actually the day after. Um, I didn't really try to think about it too much. I mean, I'm not making any excuses, but I mean, it's just another game. Um, Everybody's in that tournament for a reason. Um, They were a good team, and they deserve to be there. So, I mean, it's just it's 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 a game. At the end of the day, it's zero zero to start, and they played better than us that day. So, I mean, they got the best of us that day. The Friday night matchup with the uh, Illinois Fighting Illini and uh, hanging out with us. You know, honestly, I wish it were at a point. At some point, when we're at Crafters again, you got to come and join us. Would you be cool with that? Yes, for sure. Yeah, love to have you down here. Great place in Carmel, and there's a connection between owner Brian and and Braden Smith and his family right there. So we thought it was appropriate to bring Braden on the show today, and we appreciate that. Hey, tell everybody up there we said hello. Go get them coming up on Friday night, Braden, and we will do it again soon. Thank you. By the way, too, I should mention at the very end here, has anybody ever – it mixed you up interview wise with Colts right tackle Braden Smith. Has that ever happened at all in your life? <laughs> no, this is the first for sure. <laughs> Hey, man, thanks for being cool as hell. I appreciate you more than you know, and uh, we shall do this again very soon. Have a great game on Friday and a great rest of the season, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You got it. Braden Smith right there, former Mr. Basketball.
Boilermaker on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, voice of the Pacers, Valley Sports Indiana, who had incredible numbers last night with that Pacer win over the Bucks. Kristen Airy joins us. And, you know, it's interesting. I had Braden Smith on a little bit earlier, former Mr. Basketball, Westfield Shamrock, and I have an old-school Westfield Shamrock guard on right now in Kristen Airy. So it's all kind of coming together, Chris, if you will. Uh, a lot of fun. I listened to Braden, and it's been great to see what he's done at Purdue. Uh, you know, back in the day, I would have never thought when I was – at Westfield High School that one day there would be a Mr. Basketball from Westfield. But uh, Braden has represented uh, Westfield so well and so proud of what he's doing up at Purdue for Matt Painter. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a a great run right now. I mean, uh, the Colts have a chance to go to the playoffs, a young team uh, on the upswing. You've got the Pacers, uh, five straight wins. You've got Purdue number one in the country. Uh, Butler plays tomorrow night. IU plays Ohio State. It, 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 I was listening to you earlier, and you're right. If you can't be excited about this time of year, you, you don't really need to be working in sports because uh, it's really fantastic what's going on right now. No, it is, too. Now, you guys had big numbers. That was the largest number, largest viewing audience since the Lance return game last night. Is that what you told me? Yes, it was the largest on Bally. I mean, we had some higher numbers earlier this year with TNT and ESPN, but from a Bally-only telecast, it was the highest-rated game in two years since uh, the Lance return game two years ago. So it was great to see so many people tuning in. Uh, You know, just another really good win. I mean, John, we were talking, what, a a few weeks ago after you lose 6 of 7, you're 14-14 and just before Christmas. And you look at a schedule that includes at Houston, who was 12-2 and two at home, at Chicago, always tough on the Pacers, uh, New York, and then back-to-back games with Milwaukee. And, you know, probably the realist would say, hey, if you could go 3-2 and two in that situation, you'd feel pretty good. And here we are, the Pacers have gone 5-0. and oh, And uh, right now, probably playing the best basketball they've played all year. Yeah, let's start with Tyrese Halliburton, who's just putting up incredible numbers. And beyond his shot-making ability – uh, just just beyond him as a leader of this team, he makes everybody out there better, night in and night out. And that is such a value and a value that we have not seen around here in a long time. And that's nothing against the past players here, but that's just what makes him different slash unique is he has that ability to not only get his – to the level in which everybody expects, but to make everybody else out there on the floor with him better. That's what he does, and that's you know one of the reasons why he's one of the best that we have seen around here to this point, certainly, and the sky seems to be the limit. Oh, and he's only in year four. I mean, you know, he's, he's got the extension for five more years, a great leader, a great person, uh, and, and you can just tell the joy that he plays with, and it, it's infectious with his teammates. I mean, the thing that I've, uh, you know, enjoyed so much watching this group is you've got about 10 guys that at any point can be on the floor in a closing situation. Rick Carlisle has confidence in, in his bench. He has confidence in whatever kind of arrangement he has to have out there, and a lot of it depends on, you know, that particular night, how is a, a certain player playing. But there's no question – that Tyrese orchestrates everything. And, you know, I made a list. I mean, John, you know, the Pacers have won 19 games, and 10 or 11 of them are down the stretch because of big plays that Halliburton's made, either, you know, finding somebody for a pass or hitting three-point shots or hitting three-point shots and getting fouled for a four-point play. I mean, it's been rather remarkable to watch him do this on a nightly basis. And I think, you know, he's very comfortable with – what happens if you miss? And, and I think all great players have to go through that 
they know that they're not going to make all of them and you've got to be you've got to be wanting to take that shot or make that pass and there's no question about that and then you know today to see that in the eastern conference he's the leading vote getter among guards that's not just people here in central indiana voting that's people all over the country so he definitely is getting recognized and uh, his star is very bright right now it's Chris Denary, voice of the Pacers. Again, uh, it's the Celtics and the Pacers on Saturday. Prior to that, tomorrow, the Hawks in town. And then you got that home-and-home home on Saturday, Monday, with the Celtics at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Chris on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, since the change that Rick Carlisle made in the starting lineup, we have seen just team has been a lot better. And, and one of the things that I have loved about this team and just watching this evolve is just how acclimated Obi Toppin has become on the fly to coming off the bench. And Rick remarked about it last night that he's just this great teammate and could not say enough about him. He's the type of guy with what he can do in producing and what he means to this team and then how he acts and how he is off the floor, how he is with uh, you know fans, for example. He, he seems like he's perfect for Indy in his spot. Oh, you hit on it. Uh, I did a post-game event with Obi last night with season ticket holders. We were in the uh, Salesforce court. We probably had a good 500, you know, season ticket holders. Um, and, and Obi was tremendous. And, and he just loves being in Indianapolis. He loves being a part of this team. And you're right. I mean, that, that's been the real key, John, is, is when Rick Carlisle has, has made changes to lineups and to rotations, you know, he has buy-in. You know, everybody wants to be out on the floor, and, you know, most people want to be in the starting lineup, but these guys understand for the greater good that this is, is at least right now, this is how it needs to be. And it doesn't mean that you won't be on the floor in a closing situation. That's the thing that I, I really admire and like about Rick Carlisle is that if you start and you're not playing particularly well that night or, or the guy behind you is playing better, well, he's going to get the minutes – in a closeout situation. And uh, Obi's been a tremendous. Uh, he had 12 rebounds the other night. He's had back-to-back double-figure games. Uh, you know, had, to, had that dunk on the, on the missed free throw last night when Brooke Lopez turned the other way and Obi went right around him. Uh, he, he's just been a really good asset to this team. It's Chris Denary who joins us. The other thing that I've noticed, and it's also because Giannis brought that up after that initial win over the Bucks. Uh, early in the season at Cambridge Fieldhouse. But it looks like these guys are – that the Bucks have been wearing out late in games. And that's not just Giannis who talked about that, but I've seen it out of Middleton. I've certainly seen it out of Lopez. And I think we've seen it with the, the jump shot making ability or lack thereof with Lillard in late game situations in which he's played for the Bucks. It looks like that depth has kind of taken over in this matchup with the Pacers of 1-4-5. Yeah, I think the I think the younger legs, especially out of that second unit, has really been a problem uh, for Milwaukee. I mean, you go back to Monday, the Pacers outscored the Bucks bench seventy to sixteen. That's the largest margin uh, of the year. And uh, you, you know, right now, I, I thought that Milwaukee, in a couple of instances, looked old. And if you think about it, Middleton's trying to come back after. You know, he's missed the better part of the last couple of years with injuries. Um, so I, I think I think you're right. And and they're trying to get as best as they can to the playoffs when you can play less players and that your rotation is a little bit different. But I would say right now, um, you know, in a head-to-head situation, the Pacers bench is going to come out uh, against the Bucks ahead more often than not. And, and that's, that's something that right now is hampering – Milwaukee. I think the other thing is they have a first-year coach in Adrian Griffin, longtime assistant, longtime player in the NBA, and I know will be a good coach. But he's also trying to follow up, you know, Mike Budenholzer, who helped them win an NBA title a few years ago. So, you know, there are a lot of things that they are going through right now, and you know, I think the Pacers were able to take advantage. And I think one one of the most impressive things is John, as we go back a few weeks. Ballgate, if you will, right? Um, yeah. You know, Milwaukee wins that game and feels like they answered a question with the little feisty Pacers team that's trying to catch them from behind. And we we circled the dates of January one and January three, and 
and wanted to see, you know, what would happen. How would the Pacers respond? How would the Bucks respond? I think the Bucks were ultimately surprised on Monday with how well the Pacers played on the road. And then to back it up again last night and really run away in the fourth quarter, I think was highly impressive. Yeah, and then, you know, Matherin. You know, you look at Matherin, and, and hopefully this is the, the beginning of the consistency that we see him evolving into. That, that for this team is a night-in and night-out game-changer if he can be just a little bit consistent at the level in which we have seen him lately. Yeah, no question. I mean, I thought one of the best play. I mean, there were, there were a number of highlights last night. I mean, the four-point play by Tyrese, uh, the behind-the-back pass to sort of cap it to a miles three. But I thought when it got chippy and Lillard and Matherin were talking back and forth while Lillard was at the free-throw line, and then Benedict comes right down the floor and drains a three, I thought the building was going to explode. So, yeah, it's it, a lot of people will say that year two – especially after the rookie year that, that Matherin had, it's always a difficult year because you're trying to, to reestablish what you did the year before. But we are seeing him, you know, do a lot more. And, and, and it's beyond just scoring. I mean, the other night he had 13 rebounds with his 25 points. Uh, you know, he's doing a lot of good things. But, yeah, this Pacers team is, is at its best when, when you have somebody of his ilk playing the way he is. Yeah, and we, I got to run here in a second, but we should probably remark about the defense because all we've asked for is the defense consistently to be a little bit better. And the defense has been consistently a little bit better recently, and we have now seen where that's led. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, I think over the last eight games now, uh, in scoring defense and uh, you know, defensive rating, they're right around 15. And, and that's more than acceptable because on the season, they've been around 28 to 29. And I think you and I have talked, you've got to be better defensively. You don't have to be great defensively, but you have to be much improved. And um, I think we've seen that over the last two weeks, especially in this five-game win streak. And that's gone a long way to uh, the Pacers doing what they've done. Chris Tadere is the voice of the Pacers. Pacers Atlanta tomorrow night. Got one on Saturday night at 7 o'clock against the Celtics. And then Celtics back at Cambridge Fieldhouse for that, uh, not even a home-at-home, but a back-to-back Saturday-Monday affair with Boston. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun happening. Chris, it is a great watch per usual. And just sorry you couldn't slide down here, kind of in your uh, hometown. I just got a picture of you back in the day. In your basketball uniform, <laughs> smuggling some grapes. You're smuggling the grapes in Westfield back in the day. Well done. Yeah, we. Yeah, those uh, those shorts were a little short back then. I was well before <laughs> the Fab Five of, of Michigan. So, uh, was, yeah. Uh, but but I will definitely be on site with you sometime soon. You got it. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks, John.